Welcome back to The Dagger. I'm Justin Pierce alongside Corey Kennedy. After a two-year hiatus, we are back and we are back better than ever. Corey, it's been a couple of years since we've both been on the air. How's, how's it been so far? How's, how's life been? Well, as, as you guys know, 2020 has been a crazy year, but it's been super fun, super exciting that we're going to be able to bring this, this show, radio show and turn it into a podcast. So I'm excited about that for sure. Um, and I think, yeah, the last time we recorded was um, our, my, our, my senior year at U of A, your junior year at U of A in the camp radio studios. And uh, I was just looking at that, at that footage from a couple, couple weeks back. But yeah, so fast forward and now we're here and making it a podcast version and trying to make it bigger and better. Yeah. Yeah. So to give everyone a backstory of what Corey and I have been doing throughout the last couple of years, Corey graduated from the U of A in 2019. I just graduated this year during our pandemic year 2020. And what we've been doing is we've been kind of all over the place. And Corey's living in Newport Beach, California right now. I just moved from San Diego, California to Weatherford, Texas area, a little bit in the outskirts. I'm in a little town called Brock and less than 2000 people. It's quite the town. <laughs> But, you know, it's, it, was, it was a big move for us as well. And it's always nice to get a little bit of change, but I definitely do miss California and I definitely do miss the U of A. And for those of you who don't know, the U of A is the University of Arizona uh, bear down for every alumni tuning in. But yeah, so we started at Camp Radio in about 2017, late 2017, early 2018, and we got on our feet with the dagger, and it was something that, you know, Corey and I both came up with, and, you know, something you hear when someone hits a game-winning shot or a series-clinching shot, you call it a dagger, so that definitely is yeah. something that, you know, we wanted, we wanted to be the podcast that is series clinching game game winning so definitely something that we want to kick off again and something that we want to get out to you guys and to all of our peers and to everyone out there who's fans of the podcast and who was fans of the radio station before at camp we definitely want to get content out there for you as well after a long hiatus we were on the air out on 1570 AM radio in Tucson, Arizona. So if, if, you were, if you were tuning in back then and you're still tuning in now, thank you for the support throughout all of that. But, you know, I'm, I'm glad we're back. I'm glad we can get content out there, Corey. Anything that you yeah, definitely. to say to all the fans and all the supporters? Well, yeah, I think it's kind of cool too that, to see uh, that we're able to bring this back because I remember, I still remember like when we just first met on the lacrosse field at U of A lacrosse and, and then I think, I can't remember, I think you needed somebody to be on your show um, and, and uh, just talk NBA, NFL stuff. And then, um, and then I came on, I was like, oh, this is awesome. Like the studios are awesome. Uh, you know, it was first, first, my first time going into a booth. And so it's cool to see that growth. And, and then even, even now after a little bit of a break, we're able to come back, but yeah. So um yeah, excited to, to bring this back and to definitely yeah, shout out to all the fans that are listening. And I know one thing that was fun, we had, uh, we ran an Instagram live um, 
a little Instagram live on our main account too. So that was fun to have people interact with us at, from U of A and, um, and have people tune in on the website and stuff like that. So, yeah, so hopefully we'll get back out and have, that's, I think that's the most fun part for me is when the people can interact with us and we can um, share different sports stories. And we had that little contest, um, uh, the March Madness contest two years ago. And so that was fun too. So yeah, we'll try to yeah. do a lot more stuff like that. Yeah. yeah, definitely. That was that was a great time, and I definitely had a great time doing that. But Corey, bring us up a good point. We met on the U of A lacrosse team in 2017, the 2017 season, and yeah. that was my freshman year, your sophomore year. So you were actually the only journalism major that was in uh, that was on the lacrosse team at that time. Yeah. So I mean, that was that was also really fun to you know yeah get get the band together and start something up like this and now we're back and you know mm -hmm. five years later we're still doing this so uh yeah definitely definitely, definitely thankful for that but we definitely have yeah. a lot of content to go over i know our sports fans listening to this have been missing a lot of sports as of you know the past few months it's been pretty rough since march and condolences to everyone who's been going through losses, not with not only with jobs, but with um, family members or close friends as well with COVID nineteen. Yeah. But let's get down. Let's get let's go over the rundown. Let's we're gonna go over our takeaways with the bubble and why the Suns can still make the playoffs. Yes, they still can make the playoffs. It's it's not <laughs> over. Book all the way. Over. Yeah. Yeah. So. And we're going to talk about Lonzo Ball. He has had a rough start in the bubble, shooting like the rest of the Lakers right now. Is he? Do you think he's a bust? We're going to ask Corey that in a little bit. Uh, we're going to go over some Lakers-Clippers talk, who's taking the West, and who's potentially winning the finals. We're going to go over both of those uh, later on. Uh, potentially no college football this year and what this could mean for the NFL draft class. Uh, Colin Morikawa winning the PGA Championship tournament and, you know, Bryson DeChambeau having a good outing as well. We'll go over that later on. Uh, NHL Hub Cities and what they've been doing there during the NHL qualifiers and, you know, what our predictions are for the rest of the Stanley Cup playoffs. And we're going to go over some MLB action too. Uh, like the future goat Fernando Tatis Jr. Uh, he's had yeah. one of the best 100 game starts for any MLB career I've ever seen. And, you know, we're going to talk about the cheaters and how humiliating they are for Major League Baseball. So yeah. <laughs> let's go over, let's go over the takeaways from the bubble, the NBA bubble. So all the teams down are, most of the teams actually are down in Orlando, Florida for play-in games and the rest of the NBA playoffs. So we're going to go over, you know, who the hot teams are, who, who are some teams that need to be better. Uh, Corey, who are some of the teams that you're looking at and saying they're ready for the playoffs? And who are some that you think that are struggling? Let's see. So I think ready for the playoffs, I would say, I really like what the Clippers have, even though, even though they're about to, I think they're about to lose to the Nets right now. Um, I like, I like what they put together. I know it doesn't really help my uh, argument, but um, I think the Clippers, um, 
with when they get Montrez back uh, from grieving from his grandmother, uh, losing his grandma, um, I think they'll have a complete – I think they've shown that they're the deepest roster in the bubble, I feel like, especially with Reggie Jackson having some great games and even the rookie like their rookies like Terrence Mann and, and Marcus uh, Morris has been able to step up a little bit after that first Lakers game. So I think they're really showing how, how deep they are and how well they can do. Um, and they, they did lose that first game to the Lakers. But um, I think there's there's also kind of a sense that you're not really sure what these teams are putting out there yet. Um, with the, like, you know, the Lakers securing the one seed, you're not really sure. There's only really been one game that we've been able to to kind of analyze and see like if they're ready to go yet or not, because the rest of them have not been that meaningful. Um, and you had, a, I think, uh, their second or third game in the bubble, the Lakers had LeBron was out with the groin injury. And I think the rest of the starting lineup basically had had some type of probable injury, was on the injury report. Um, so but as far as another team, uh, like you mentioned, the Suns, um, I believe I believe they're 5-0 and in the bubble, right? 5-0? Five, five and Yeah, they're 5-0. and Undefeated. The Pacers are four and one, so that was that was my hot team as well. But we'll oh, we'll keep talking yeah. about the Suns and Devin Booker and how incredible that they've been in, throughout the bubble playing game so far. And they have three games left. And do you how do you think they'll do? The Suns. I mean, I think the Suns have a good chance to just keep riding this and and keep going uh, and, and just win out the rest of the the year uh, or the rest of the the regular season games. Um, and it really depends on what Memphis is going to do. And, and uh, the Blazers had a t- had a the Blazers had a pretty tough loss to the Clippers on on Saturday Saturday morning um, with not being able to. The well, Blazers kind of scare me a little bit in that in that sense because um, you know uh, Danny Lillard missing those two free throws in in crunch time uh, and and basically the Clippers third rotation that was able to to beat. Um, the Blazers with their full starting don't, lineup. And whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't say third rotation. That you're not getting away with that. They played Paul George. Paul George played. Well, no, he started. And, no, but and and Landry Shaman. <laughs> That's true. They were out there, but no. The so in in the, the last five minutes of the game when they were down, they had Roddy Magruder out there, Landry Shamit, uh Terrence Mann, uh, Morris, and I think I forgot who they had at center. I don't know let's, if Zubac was out there, but yeah, hold on. Let's talk about how incredibly how incredibly lucky the Clippers were to win that game. Damian Lillard missed they two were. two free throws, potential game tying and potential game winning. Yeah, uh, and with like ten seconds left, like they got incredibly lucky. Yeah. two potential game tying free throws, yeah. and he missed them both. So yeah. we have to talk about how lucky the Clippers were. They Clippers were gonna be were gonna be down one with ten seconds left and they were gonna yeah. give it to Rodney Magruder to win the game. Like, no, that wasn't gonna happen. Yeah. Like the no, Clippers I, I mean Rodney <laughs> Yeah, the Clippers are deep, but I mean like don't say third unit. Come on, that's disrespectful. Landry Shamit was <laughs> he was balling that game. And I, I believe he yeah, shot fifth, like like fifty percent or something like that. Yeah, yeah, Land, no, Landry is a good, and he's a good defender too, and he's a good player um, when he's hitting that that quick three. Um, and but no, but yeah, seeing Rodney Gruder hitting the go ahead three pointer to 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 go up one by uh, or against the Blazers, I was like, I was definitely surprised um, to see that they were able to do that. And I also kind of like to see 
you like to see Patrick Beverly and Paul George and uh, get all hyped up on and Marcus Morris get all hyped up on the sideline because he just it it seems like the Clippers hasn't been a team like so to speak like you have Kawhi off one night you have Paul George off one night you have all you have different people hurt sitting starting so I just yeah, feel like they go ahead yeah no I was gonna say they don't know how to play with each other yet like they just I mean that kind of doesn't that scare you as a Clippers fan thinking that my team is played 60 plus games and they still don't know how to play with each other and you're three games away from yeah. going to the playoffs yeah I think I think that does put a little bit of worry into me that uh up until like a few days ago I don't I, don't, I haven't seen like the full-on team chemistry really like click in and I don't know if it still has yet um because I, I mean I thought Kawhi and Paul George were done with this rotating off and on with the getting rest because then the league stopped for four months and, you know, I thought they'd be, Kawhi would be getting ready to play these back-to-backs and stuff like that. And, but I guess not. So that, yeah, that even, worries me. Even in uncertain times, nothing changes with Kawhi Leonard playing a back-to-back. Yeah. He'll always play one of the two. So. <laughs> yeah. I, it, I, that, surpri- I, that, that surprised me. I was like, come on. Like Kawhi, I mean, I, I don't know what, what's fully going on with, with the knee injury and stuff like that, but. But I just I thought that would be done by now. Because um, at some point he, he, he can't. Sit. Yeah, go ahead. At some point he can't keep. Yeah, I was thinking like at some point he can't just keep sitting out. But I mean the playoffs do happen to give you a little bit more time in between each games. But but still, I at some point he's got to push through this. So yeah. I mean, does it is it fearful for you as a Clippers fan that you're probably going to see Kawhi Leonard retire in the next decade? Because of in the next decade? injury, yes, yes, because of potential oh. injury, he's only, he's 28 years old and he's playing back. He's not playing back to back. Does that scare you a little bit? Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think. I mean, in how many years? I think it's his last year. He didn't play in back to backs either with the Raptors, and mm. so I think he's really been kind of injury prone the last, I'd say, two three years to be safe. Um, and so I, that does worry me. Like in in having off seasons and and not being able to fully recover in that off season. Like, I'm kind of curious to see if that's just what his long-term plan is going to be to, to extend his career or, or if it's, he actually needs that rest. Like if, if he's like, I can't play, uh, if I, if I'm, I can't do it back to back. But so, and we'll, we'll probably never find out um, what the, what the true reasoning is. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, and who knows? I mean, Kawhi could leave after, another year or only stay on the Clippers for two years or whatever. Um, but I think, yeah, as a Kawhi Leonard fan, um, I think, yeah, it, it is a little bit of cause for concern. Yeah. Yeah. And we're going to go on to talking about a former Laker, someone who used to play in the city of Los Angeles, like the Clippers are right now. Uh, Lonzo Ball, a former Laker is struggling with, with the Pelican shooting. He is not playing he, they have not playing, been playing well since the start of the bubble. He has been yeah. averaging 5.3 points per game, 5.6 rebounds per game, 6.8 assists and on 26% shooting and 19% from three. So those are pretty, yeah. yeah, not the best shooting numbers. Does that scare you for the future for Alonzo Ball? Do you think he'll become a bust as 
his his rookie contract ends after the 2020 2020 uh one season so mm-hmm. uh yeah do you think Lonzo Ball is going to be a bust within the next year Ooh. um i i think he has that he has like a little bit of signs of being being a potential bust but i think i think it's too early to to call him a bust right now um but you know a couple more see about one or two more seasons of averaging only five points uh, a game uh, with all the hype and potential that he came in to the NBA with. Maybe that was a little bit too much of LeVar Ball hyping up his son. And, uh, and, and I think when Lake or when Lonzo went to the Lakers, there was a lot of, a lot of uh, hype and a lot of excitement around that. And then, you know, now he's in New Orleans and I think definitely you move around to another team or two or have those bad low numbers that could definitely, he's, I think he's trending towards, being a potential bust um uh but yeah that, that, that's what i would say yeah we gotta give lavar ball an emmy award for convincing an nba team <laughs> to draft his son yeah. at number two overall in the nba draft uh, yeah, like that's uh, that's absurd and he was on multiple sports center shows multiple sports center appears uh excuse me espn shows multiple sports center appearances yeah. um fox on fs or uh, like Skip and Shannon, Undisputed on FS1, Colin Coward, The Herd, like all of those shows, like he's been appearing on and talking about his son. And you got, you just have to give him props. Like he's about to do the same thing with with another son who's a potential number one overall pick. Like you can't make this stuff up. Like this is incredible. Like Lonzo Ball has been, but great things we got to say about Lonzo Ball though. (laughs) He's a great defender. Yeah. He wouldn't say great. He's a really, really good defender. He's mm-hmm. a great outlet passer. He is all. He's always been a big playmaker, especially for Zion. Like if Zion's averaging thirty a game, Lonzo's definitely going to be averaging like twelve assists a game. And yeah. who knows if Zion can stay healthy too? Like that's also his problem. And Lonzo, but got benched earlier this year, and that was kind of a wake up call. And he had a little, a mm-hmm. little spurt where he was going off and. And he had like a 10 game span where he was averaging at least like 15 points a game. So definitely something that we were keeping our eyes on before the NBA hiatus. And, you know, he has a lot of potential, but he just doesn't use it. Like he looks a little bit passive when he's on the court. I mean, it's stuff like that where it's like you, you get a little bit concerned, but Brandon Ingram, who was an all-star this year, Zion Williamson, finalist for rookie of the year like that's something that you can like you can say that you know that gives Lonzo an excuse to not average as many points but like at the same Mm -hmm. time he's his numbers have been getting better and better but like they're slowly getting better like he should definitely be averaging 18 points a game and 12 assists a game like that's I think that's his potential something like a Jason Kidd like every other NBA scout says so Mm. yeah I think I just hope I hope that it, maybe it's not because I mean Lonzo I think he is putting in the work and his jump shot his jumper is getting slightly better than what it was when he when he had the he had the swoosh hook thing that uh when he his first when his first three point that or his was, jumper that was awkward was, that was very awkward yeah, I tried yeah. in the gym once I thought I was the greatest shooter ever because I I made a shot first <laughs> try so oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but I think I mean I think he is in the gym and trying to get better and, and trying to get better at his craft. But 
I just hope – I mean, the Pelicans' young core is, is up there with what I think the top up there with, you know, with the um, Denver Nuggets and a couple other teams that have some amazing core to, that'll push them through in a couple of years. But I just worry if it could be a problem of the NBA where if Lonzo doesn't produce really soon, then he could get traded or – or, or things could get could, things could happen where the the league actually messes up his game rather than giving him that time to to develop that young core because Brandon Ingram is a lot of people are comparing him to KD and even Kevin Durant was gave him a shot on him on Twitter uh, for 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 balling out uh, in the bubble. Number fourteen, so number fourteen's balling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah, and you can't argue with that. I think I think Brandon Ingram is uh, is is a really good player, uh, and I think I think it'll. Um, in the long run, the Lakers will kind of be bummed that that it, that they got they traded him away, but you know they got AD, so you can't be too mad at that. Um, but you know, the Sion, Lonzo, and and Brandon Ingram, I think that's I hope that they grow into a, a great um, uh, triple threat uh, coming in the next couple of years. Yeah, I mean, we gotta talk about that Kevin Durant tweet where he was like, "Number fourteen is really balling," <laughs> and like that was the biggest troll tweet ever because. Oh yeah, there is. Yeah, we saw, yeah. I mean, like we saw something with an NBA or someone, an NBA player was tweeting at a WNBA player saying that, like, she was looking really good and like she was balling out because, like, because of all the uh, yeah. social justice messages on the back of their jerseys. So like they couldn't like none of the play like no one can see their names. So it. I mean, and then yeah. uh, and the, a WNBA player quoted it and was like put some respect on my name and, or something like that i can you fact check that can you see who it who it was i oh, definitely yeah, I i'm definitely want to know now <laughs> yeah i know you were talking about that but i remember i remember seeing that because he was basically just he was just support like he was trying to support and, and say like she, she was balling out but then she kind of clapped back at him and said like this is my this is who i am but let me let me yeah no please it. yeah fact check that because i definitely want to know now it's I didn't want to, I didn't want to say it wrong initially. I didn't, but it, that that just that just crossed my mind when you said KD said something about Brandon Ingram on uh, on Twitter when he said number fourteen's balling out because <laughs> that was that, that was oh, the wait, first. Who? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, let's see. I think it was a uh, okay. I did Andre Iguodala. So yeah, Andre Iguodala says <laughs> number twenty three from the Mystics is nice. So she said that. He said that, and then Ariel Ariel Powers, right? Yeah, okay. I see it. Put some respect on Ariel. my name or keep your mouth shut. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Put some respect that's, that's on my name. Com- that's comedy. Sweet to yourself. Yeah, to keep that's, your that's... Keep, to keep the sweet to yourself. Um, oh, and then oh, and then Iguodala said no manners right after. <laughs> so I didn't know that. So no hey, manners. Barry, he wrote. See, <laughs> bear uh, down, Iggy. Yeah, that's no. awesome. <laughs> yeah, okay. U of A alum. Um, yeah, so he said no manners. He wrote seemingly making sure Powers knew her place in the situation. Uh, and so we deal with this. And then she was saying we deal with disrespect on the daily. So for someone like you to tweet that off, off uh, the same advice you could have looked me up uh, on is unacceptable. So he's basically saying you should have looked me up. With, but he was yeah, just trying to I mean, people say that all the time. Like <laughs> 17 is nice out there, or have a day, 22. Like, People do it to even like well-known uh, names in the uh, like Philip Rivers. A lot of people call him Seventeen. Like they, they yeah, like, it's just a thing. 
Yeah, that's and that was that was funny. I had it on the top at the top of my head, but I didn't just didn't think of the name. And of course, there was someone someone from U of A that would say that. So yeah, that, yeah. that was that was funny. Andre Iguodala, your 2015 Finals MVP, everybody. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. But the I, the thing that made it interesting was so it was KD. Was it discovered? Was KD saying? Was he trolling with the number fourteen? Is nice. Yeah, or he definitely was. was it, he definitely it was. Okay, was. <laughs> it's confirmed troll. Okay. Uh, I guess troll, we could let absolutely. the we could put out a poll on that, or or maybe it's too late, but we could pull a poll. We on definitely that will put out a poll. We definitely will put <laughs> out a poll. Like that's that's happening. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so we'll try, talk. We'll, we'll, re, <laughs> we'll, we'll reach out to Doll. See. Then we'll, we'll reach out to Iguodala, see if we can get him on the podcast, and, and no, uh, let's let's just, do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. But we're gonna go on talk talk Lakers Clippers as both of these teams played each other the first game of the NBA restart. Second second game overall. It was a Thursday uh, Thursday night where the Lakers mm-hmm. held on to beat the Clippers one hundred four one hundred two. But since then, the Lakers have kind of spiraled downhill while the Clippers have been playing decent, I mean, semi-decent, depending on how the Nets game goes uh, this evening. But the uh, the Clippers have only lost one other game, and that was to the Suns, and the Suns are hot right now. And the, Clippers, I mean, the Lakers have only won one other game, and that was when they clinched the one seed to beat the Utah Jazz. Mm-hmm. So since the NBA restart has – Anything changed about your predictions for the West? And if so, explain why. Hmm. So I, I think I originally, when we first talked about it, I said the Lakers would win that would win everything. Uh, and then when I, I said I flip-flopped it from, in the normal normal times, I said Clippers, but then now I said Bubble would be Lakers. But now, I mean, I re- it's, I'm kind of even more confused after these games. Like I thought, I hope that, I was hoping that that some of these games would help me figure out like what some of the top seeds would be or or stuff like that. But uh, it's, I don't even know honestly to be to be to be honest. Like if this stuff helped me or not. Would you say these games helped you or didn't help you? I don't know because the yeah. it feels like the seeds don't mean anything. But at the same time, yeah. you have like it just it just makes it it makes it weird. It makes everything weird. Like. Yeah. First off, you have like the Lakers are missing one starter from the restart. That's Avery Bradley, and mm-hmm. you know Rondo's not coming back until potentially the second round of the playoffs because uh, I think it was an injured hand. He was boxing or something like that, and he had to get surgery. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> he yeah. he'll be out until the second round. But like, I mean, the Clippers have been missing pieces too, and like they've been. I feel like they've been playing better without those pieces than they have with those pieces. So it makes it more confusing yeah. for me. Like, like Kawhi, Kawhi is going to have a game tonight. He went off and he had 30 plus points, but with everything, with everything going on, like the Clippers, he's like 39. Zubac, he's 39. so he has, thir- he has 39 points and Zubak went off the other day he was 10 for 10 had 15 rebounds mm-hmm. had 20 I think yeah. like 21 points or something like that like he went off against the Mavericks so he I mean it's 
I'm a little confused. I think the Clippers are missing. I don't know. They're they're a big ball of potential right now, and I think like yeah, they they're they're looking for their first Western Conference final appearance in about their whole franchise history, and it's it's their 50 yeah. year anniversary since the start of their franchise. So I think that you know, just looking at this team, they have a big they have big chemistry problems, and like they don't know how to play with each other because they've been so used to playing with different players every like throughout the year and they're used to not having quite in for games like throughout the year and, it, and it's not like last year where the where the Raptors were playing well without Kawhi mm. and, but you know I'm just saying like this is like I I'm just saying like this could be a problem for the Clippers in the playoffs this, this could potentially hold them out from going to the Western Conference Finals believe it or not I I believe I believe yeah. in Denver this year I don't think Denver's oh, Den- gonna ch- Denver's I don't think Denver's gonna choke like they did last year. They lost to Portland in a seventh game mm. and CJ McCollum went off. So I don't think that happens this year. I think Denver goes to the Western Conference Finals, but I'm a little bit more confident, a little bit more encouraged with the Lakers after their after their shortcoming versus the Pacers. Yeah, TJ Warren's been the player of the bubble. He's been averaging yeah, he's over thirty points a game. But yeah, you know, seeing the Lakers, seeing the Lakers with LeBron out there, I think everything clicks for them really well. And that's that's a yeah big time for them. Yeah, I'm trying so to see I, the seeding. So the Indiana's at the five at the fifth seed right now. Um Yeah. So yeah, so Miami Miami, Indiana. So they, play, they they play tomorrow night, so this will be the first oh, Jimmy Butler, TJ Warren reunion that we'll have since their little scuffle earlier this season mm-hmm. where Jimmy Jimmy was taking shots at TJ, TJ was taking shots at Jimmy, and it was there's was lots of beef. There's there is a lot of smack talking for sure. But no, I'm I'm excited for that matchup, but that'll that'll definitely make one for one of the better playoff matchups in uh, in the playoffs. I'm definitely looking forward to it. And there's it's unfortunate there's no fans. Yeah. Or yeah, no I think that's fans. But, yeah, and um, but I think the uh, the the whole or no, the no um, home court advantage and no fans out there, home team fans, has kind of added another layer of. Um, of playing with the seeding, the playoff seeding, because it seems it almost seems like the Clippers are fine with losing the the two seed spot and dropping down to the three seed behind the behind the Nuggets, because um, with the it, they would care more if it had to do with the uh, with, with home court advantage. But it seems like they're kind of like if we go down to the three seed, it's all right. But they don't want to go all the way down to the four seed. But the three seed, it seems like they're okay. Some teams are okay with just just taking those losses and and just riding whatever whatever seating they have happen to get into. Um, so that, that's definitely a different and interesting part of this year's final push. Yeah. How great would it be though, for the Clippers to follow the three seed and they play the 60 thunder and Chris Paul has his revenge series against the Clippers. Oh, God. Upsets, upsets the Clippers in the first round playing for a thunder team. He got traded to. So, Oh man, that would that, be, that would be a, a very Clippers thing. 
So they would steal a playoff series from the Clippers, and they would steal their future franchise player in Shea, Shea Gilgis Alexander, who's almost oh, averaging yeah. 20 points a game. And they would definitely – they have all their draft picks too. So it's like yeah. – like not, that, would, that would be the oh, biggest man. L in Clipper history if they lose to a uh, Thunder team who was supposed to be rebuilding this year in the playoffs. So – yeah. No, I mean, yeah. And, yeah, Chris Paul. Chris Paul has been a really big, a really nice surprise, uh, kind of having this bounce back year. But no, that I'm, I mean, that would be like overall just smack in the face of the Clippers, where and it ended up playing them at some point in the playoffs. And then you know, with Chris, yeah, Chris Paul, Shea Gilgis, and Alexander, and then uh, Gallinari too on the Clippers, um, or was on the Clippers last year, uh, now on the Thunder this year. So it's like, yeah, that would be that would be brutal for sure. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. It would definitely be brutal for the Clippers to lose any any ground before the conference finals, even if it, if it was to the Nuggets. I mean, mm-hmm. I would be very scared of Michael Porter Jr. if I were the Clippers. Oh, yeah. You don't want you don't want him getting hot and dropping 30 pieces every night in the playoffs. That's yeah. definitely something I would watch out for. But yeah, no, let's talk about no, the yeah, let's talk friend. about the Lakers. Let's talk about the Lakers. Yeah. Are you concerned about the Lakers at all making the Western Conference Finals? I'm not after that Pacer game, but I was before. Their shooting has been horrendous since the restart uh, in the bubble. They've had the worst shooting percentage yeah. from three. They've had the worst points per game on offense. Their defense is still there, which is a really great sign. But are you concerned at all that LeBron might not make the NBA finals this year you know I think my only the only concern I have for the Lakers would be the injury factor um right now because I I'm gonna just with not getting too much more information off these last few games um I think I'm still gonna stick with the Lakers winning the bubble this year um but I think the injury the injury um uh status kind of is what kind of scares me because uh, with the uh, the Lakers against Houston, they had um, Davis or Anthony Davis sprained ankle was probable. Uh, Morris left hip contusion, KCP right rib contusion, uh, Howard sore knee, Caruso left neck muscle spasm, and then LeBron was out with a sore right groin. So, and I think I don't know if it's just if it's I have I feel like I've been seeing a lot more injuries just with across the league. Too, with, with maybe it's just people getting ready for the playoffs and resting their key players. But I don't know if just having everybody back in the bubble right now is just, is people are just a little bit rusty still. Um, as far as like just getting used to that game game speed with their body. Um, but yeah, I think just the injury factor. But I feel like LeBron James is the most, in my opinion, is the most valuable player to have on your team during this time. Just as from overall. Scoring, assisting, rebounding, uh, coach, coaching style, uh, basketball IQ, uh, finals experience. I think just him alone is just enough to to just carry your team through through this very unique situation. So I, that that's why they're still my pick. But um, I think that might only change within the first like week of the playoffs, maybe to see how see what these teams are really going to show. Because I think some teams are. Some teams in the higher seeds are, are holding back a little bit um, and not showing their stuff all the way, Lakers being one of them for sure. 
So we'll see in about a week or so if that changes then. Yeah, and do you think that, I mean, do you think, like, the, this will keep up in the playoffs? Do you think they'll miss out? I mean, depending on who they played in the first round, like, they could play the Blazers, they could play the Suns, yeah. they could play the Grizzlies. Those are all potential teams that are in the running still. So are you concerned yeah. about this Laker team and Frank Vogel and everyone else on that Lakers roster? No, I think I'm all good, especially that first round is going to be a breeze. And any if you have Suns in there, you got Blazers, you got Memphis. Uh, I think any of those teams. I think the Lakers can get them in four, probably. This is it easy four? I, I think so. Um, but out of the, you know, I don't know who out of those three teams who would scare me the most. I saw Charles Barkley predicted that the Blazers will beat the Lakers in that first round. Did you see that? No, I I saw it. I, there's is no it, chance they're doing that. Yeah, he's like he, there's totally, no he's chance. He's been he's been riding the Blazers since before the bubble, before the NBA restart and stuff like that. And uh, so he's got he's maybe he knows something we don't know, but um, I don't know. I think the Lakers got anybody in that first round, easy easy yeah. money. So it should it should be easy money for them. But yeah, yeah, that's that would be very concerning if there was anything along those lines of. Um, uh, of a first round upset for them that would be very catastrophic for everyone yeah. especially ad because he's on the final year of his contract so yeah yeah that would not be good whatsoever but another thing that's also not so good is no college football and that could be mm. potential for this upcoming season uh athletic directors and have had meetings throughout this whole throughout all of all of Sunday, they're going to have meetings this week. Uh, Pac-12 governors and all of that are going to have meetings this week. CEOs, a lot of big, a lot of high, higher up names that are, are involved in these upcoming mm-hmm. meetings. And you know, there's potential that they could keep college football going on this season. There's potential that it may get canceled. Uh, I read something today that the Big Ten might have a point, or they may they may announce this week that they're going to be canceling the upcoming season. Are you concerned that you're not going to see college football this season, even with the, with the slim hope that there still could be uh, college football for these big time programs? Yeah, I think, I think I am for sure. Um, uh, I think that the bubble I, we've seen with the NBA and uh, leagues like the premier lacrosse league, that uh, and also Supercross, um, Much Energy Supercross, that all these bubble formats have just been so successful uh, and to a point where NBA has been having zero positive cases uh, in the last two rounds of testing. So I just, I feel like, and the, I, I share the same kind of concern with the NFL, uh, but we, we can get into that later. But, but I just think that a, a spot where even if you limit it down to just the conferences only, um, where we've, we've seen with the Pac-12 and, and a couple other conferences. Um, I don't know. I still, that, I still think that travel and just the fact that you have about 100, 100 plus people on, on with players and staff included on each team. Uh, so I don't know. It just, seems, it just seems very shaky. And I don't want to – I'm almost saying that I, I, I feel like that they should cancel the season as much as – I, as much as I hate to say that, 
as you know, college football, I think is the, is the most fun thing to watch and most fun season sports season um, and football season in general. But I just, I, I, I think I, I think I am definitely concerned about um, if we'll get college football this year. Um, maybe they'll have to bump it back to 2021. Like we've seen, like we're seeing in, uh, uh, in California high schools um, where their football years pushed back, but, but there's just a lot of problems with that too. So, um, but yeah, it, how about you? What are your thoughts on it? So the whole, this whole CIF thing where they're pushing football back to spring, it's causing commits to leave and go yeah, out of state and problem. go to college early. I mean, that's, it's a bad situation for anyone who's a commit and misses out on their high school, on their high school season or senior season. But you know, the, the NCAA had two options. Or all every school in the country who wanted college football had two options. So let's start with number one. Number one is you keep kids on campus and prevent them from going home where they're potentially at risk more because of everything that they're doing at home. Like they're gonna be around different like they're gonna be around different people that they I mean that they're used to everyone's on campus now so if you send the if you send kids back home they're going to be at more risk of potentially getting the coronavirus when they're around like other people and number two this is that this is not a possibility anymore some some schools are going back in person others aren't but number two is you play you this is this is totally not going to happen. But you take everyone, all the students, tell them to go. You're going to go on, tell them that you're going to go online for the semester, and mm. not have them not pay as much for tuition. But mm. you clear out all the dorms, and you play you play college football in a bubble. So you have like two or three sites per conference, and yeah. have the players stay in the like in the dorms for for 12 uh, weeks yeah i think i think the, the another problem that, that that gets with that because you know if you have professional athletes that like like say in the nba you can get them to a spot like that like uh the espn wide world sports center and you can have them there they're getting paid millions of dollars um to to be there and i think it's just tough when you get amateur athletes that aren't getting paid they're get they're just getting they just have the scholarship um and i just think it's just tough it's a lot i feel like it's a lot to ask somebody that's not necessarily getting paid to be to be in a in a bubble with that many people too so i, I think that i think that is a big problem too that that the ncaa will have to hurdle and you know as we know that they're not the greatest organization um as far as handling these things so um I don't know. I think I think there's just a lot, a lot of obstacles to hurdle still, and they the, the NCAA did have about for at least for football they had about six months to to figure this out from March, when everything shut down until August September August September when most football teams start. So, but it just seems like there's not a full on safe plan. Um, in in my opinion, I feel like that. Um, and if if I was a player. I feel like I'd be a little bit, little bit concerned about like how, uh, or coming in contact with different players and and what's going to be out there. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, like you see the NBA's playing games, and they have they've had very few coronavirus uh, positive tests. The NHL is playing playing games in hub cities. Yeah. Like you see you see stuff like that sometimes. That like, I mean, I mean, they're playing games. They're going full contact. I think the NBA is more contact with players than the NFL does. But the NFL, you have pads on, you have helmet on, and you're yeah you're full-on physically going at it so I mean like I mean as long as the players are safe and as long as like everyone's safe like that's what's most important here and I mean canceling college football for like I'm not going to speak from a business perspective but like overall for like a team like for a school that like doesn't play this year like they're losing so much money like they're losing so much money but like as well as I, as one as, as much as I want to talk about college football as a business, like we were both student athletes, like we got, mm-hmm. like we like student athletes go first in this, and like if it gets out of control, and like you, like you see what's happening in MLB when like teams are taking weeks off literally because of positive coronavirus tests, but if mm-hmm. you, like if you see, if you see like athletes that are endangered, like that can't play, like them out like if they if they want to not play they don't have to play but so many of these athletes so many of these athletes who want to play are going out on twitter tonight and they're using the hashtag we want to play and Mm -hmm. they're voicing their opinion they're trying to save their season tonight and you know after where this will be posted in the morning but like yeah the, the go on twitter and search the hashtag we want to play and you'll see tweets from Trevor Lawrence and plenty of other famous college football players. But I mean, it's, I mean, it's something that you like, you have to be very concerned of, concerned about if you're a player who's in their senior season or someone who's going to be in the NFL this upcoming yeah. year. Like you don't want, you don't, you don't want to be playing 28 games or something like that in eight months, you know, like that, that's, yeah, yeah your body your body will get destroyed it will be it'll be a nightmare scenario if they have to go spring for college football yeah uh, yeah that's true yeah, you can't yeah because if you bump it back then then what do you do for for that next for the fall season for the next year like so that yeah that's that's really tough um yeah and i i, would, I always hate to it's always such a bummer when this first happened to all the spring athletes where their season got canceled it just that that was so dev- just as that was just super devastating to see too, um, and so I would just hate for that to happen to the fall athletes as well. Um, but yeah, uh, but yeah, I think like if you look at it like, um, I wonder what that NCAA would do in a case where you get say U of A has like twenty positive tests in the same week or something like that, like, and then they just if they bump back to their first two games or something like that, I just feel like there could be. Uh, they might have to go through what the MLB is going through. If if more teams are are getting suspended for multiple um, days and and up to weeks now with the Cardinals, um, then like what do you what do you do like with those teams? So that's another tricky part with only twelve teams. So yeah, I mean you have I mean the Pac-12 is I mean they're one of the hot spots hot spot conferences for the coronavirus like southern california and arizona are two big two big time hot spots even though 
positive tests are going down in both states. But mm-hmm. I mean, if you like, this week is going to be big for any athlete that or any student athlete involved, like for what fall sports will be like in 2020. I know in the NCAA Division Two and Division Three championships have already been have already been canceled, and I what I read was it was mostly because of financial like financial stuff something that yeah i mean i it was mostly it was it was mostly a financial issue so mm-hmm. like just that alone like it would like it would be devastating it would be devastating if that happened for division one also where they have the most money yeah. to potentially cancel a season and you know that's big for schools like if you don't have sports you're losing donors and donors for the yeah. schools are based off like they're based off uh how the sports teams are doing. So like all the big football facilities you've seen at Alabama, LSU, Texas, all of uh, all of those big Big 12 SEC schools like they're all based off donors and our the U of A practice facility that was built uh that was all based off donations mostly. So yeah, yeah, I think that I think that the outdoor uh state or at the indoor stadium or practice facility at U of A was like, I think $8 million was did, donated for that to finish yeah. out of the $15 billion, million budget. So yeah. So, I mean, yeah, sports, a lot of the alumni um, that want to give back to the school or they want to give, they give back through the athletic department. So yeah, that's another good point too. Yeah. But it's very concerning if there's no college football this year, because as a fan, I want to see it and I want to see it with everyone in the stands as crazy as that sounds with the circumstances i definitely at the being at the beginning of all this when i saw that the nba was canceled and the nhl was suspended and uh there's no march madness i was very i was holding out hope that there would be uh football in the fall college and nfl so the time yeah. the time is here we were supposed to have uh a hall of fame game this past thursday it would have been cowboy steelers oh, it would have been yeah. the first it would have been the first game of uh Dang. first NFL game officially of the season, even though it's preseason. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah, man. Yeah, that's the crazy thing too. That, I mean, it's August 9th today as we're recording this and you know, football, I'm sure. Well, I, I can't remember last year what the first college game day weekend was, but I think it was mid August or probably about 20 days from now, like mid late August, mid to late August was when the first college game day show was. And, and that's always a big, super fun time to wake up to uh, out here on Pacific Coast time, 6 a.m. You know, they're starting off and, and then they they show the picks off at 9 a.m. But yeah, so I don't, I mean, it's crazy how it's already off. Uh, we're getting into mid-August. And so uh, U of A, I think, is scheduled to start September 10th, I think, with their first game. So we're we're getting with, within a month of when it's going to start. So I just hope that the number, at least some of the numbers start to go down within the, this next month. But there's a lot, there's a lot of, um, a lot of crazy things up in the air still. So. Yeah. A lot, a lot of circumstances that, that uh, many of the schools will have to overcome in order for it to make the season happen. But yeah. Onto a more, uh, onto a lot more better topic uh, we're going to go over the PGA Tour Championship from this past weekend where Colin Morikawa won 
uh, shooting 13 under throughout the weekend. He's only 23 years old. He was a, also a Pac-12 alum. Uh, he went to Cal, played golf mm-hmm. there. Uh, do you think, based off some of the, based off some of the golfers that have come out of the Pac-12, uh, like Phil Nicholson, especially, do you think the Pac-12 is the conference of golf? Do you think that it's the best conference for golf? Yeah, no, I, uh, one of the things I got to do at, at working at the Daily Wildcat was cover the men's and women's, women's golf teams uh, at, for U of A. And yeah, some of the, the players that come through the Pac-12, um, they, they have some awesome on both men's and women's side. Um, you have U of A women's golf won the national championship a couple years back, I think in 2018, I think maybe, yeah, 2018 or 2019 season. They yeah, won it. it was 20, and, 2018. 2018, yeah. So U of A winning that one. I believe Oregon has a couple of them. A uh, couple men's golf has had a couple championships in the last uh, few years. But yeah, so yeah, Pac-12 they've got some great players. And then uh, somebody that came out of uh, ASU, John Rahm, he won or he was number one overall in the world for a couple weeks there. So uh, yeah, I mean Pac-12, I would say they they have some good golfers for sure. Yeah, and they definitely are up there. I know Texas has a good program in the Big 12. Uh, mm-hmm. they're, they, they've been in the national ranks for a very long time. But, yeah, seeing Pac-12 golfers do really well in these tournaments or Pac-12 alum doing well in some of these tournaments, it, it's big for the Conference of Champions. It backs up the name. It makes the name st- stand out more. Like, yeah. like seeing like seeing st- like seeing golfers like uh, – Colin winning like winning the PGA championship at such a young age like that's that's big like one or two years out of college like that's that's big time and that's like that's something that you know that'll draw recruits later on like to schools like ASU schools like Cal even even U of A like Arizona is one of the best golfing states in the U.S. yeah definitely and you know that that's like Arizona and California are going to have a lot of recruits going there from uh, other states. So I definitely can see the Pac-12 in a few years having much more uh, tour champions uh, later on. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah, and even, you know, the GOAT GOAT golfer, uh, Tiger Woods, went to Stanford, too. So you got got a lot of people out there that – and, you know, Phil Mickelson, even though – that which kind of brings me to another topic that you can definitely see the new age of golfers coming through. If, if it wasn't for sure, it, I think with this tournament, it's kind of showing that I think golf is changing. Uh, I think you're having, you're having different players at the top of the leaderboard more consistently. And, and somebody like Bryson DeChambeau had yeah. DeChambeau just, just jacked up and uh, just ripping. <laughs> I mean, it, it, some, sometimes his golf swing doesn't even look like real golf, but, he just just his swing speed and ball flight and everything ball speed is just unreal and I think one thing I had critique about him I just I hope his back holds up for like you know because you know you see Tiger having all these back issues and one of the things that when he was younger his golf swing was just so powerful and you're like how is he even swinging that fast and so but he gets older and he's got the back issues so uh you know, I I just got a Bryson DeChambeau is I think he's changing the game too. Everybody's coming out with these crazy swing speeds and uh, just like Phil Mickelson says, just out there hitting bombs every day. So um, yeah, so yeah, so yeah, 
and Phil, yeah. even, even Phil Mickelson, even though he's older, can still hit. He still hit the long ball out there with the best of them. So, yeah, definitely. And Bryson DeChambeau was is one of the top golfers and uh, or one of the top drivers in golf. So, oh yeah, on the tour, on the tour. So, definitely, it's definitely something we'll keep our eyes on. But like he's, I mean, over the last few like months, like he's put on a lot of weight, a lot of muscle weight especially yeah, so like yeah. him driving the ball like that as far as he does like it's it's a beauty to watch like yeah it is but, <laughs> yeah but as as good as his drives are i mean like well we gotta talk about the shot on 16 today the uh morikawa's shot on 16 his drive that went almost all the way to the pin and uh mm-hmm. I think he ended up ended up getting an eagle on that hole. Like it was a par four, but it was definitely the shot. It was definitely the shot of the weekend. Like it basically yeah. clinched him the basically clinched him the tour championship. But I mean, this just shots like that are ridiculous. It's it's incredible how great these golfers are. Yeah, I have to see. I have to see. Um, yeah, I haven't seen it yet. We got to. We'll, we could put it in one of our clips uh or we get on the instagram account we could have it as one of the daggers of the week but, yeah um but yeah because and i'm always i'm always here for golf daggers too if they if they're if they come out but uh yeah i have to see how far that par four is because i think you i think you were saying it was like close to 300 yards right yeah it was par close four. to 300 yards I would, yeah on a par four yeah so i mean so or actually I, I can't. I have to pull up the yardage to see, but yeah, I'm sure he just smashed. Was it? Do you know if he pulled out a driver on it? Was it, or or what did he? Was not too sure. Probably. My guess is probably a hybrid or wood. Three wood, yeah, yeah, wood, yeah. So yeah, so that's awesome. Though. That's awesome. Yeah, that's my guess. But let's go on to another topic. We'll talk about the NHL qualifiers how incredibly off they they've been this this past week i think i got two i got two series correct out of the eight that happened so (laughs) let's talk talk about that like some of the upsets like there's a lot of five there's both the both 512 upsets were incredible the Chicago Blackhawks looked like the early 2010 Chicago Blackhawks and they beat the Edmonton Oilers and four games of a five-game series. And Connor McDavid had one really good game, and that was the second game where he got a hat-trick. But, like, he just – I mean, it's it's incredible how how much goaltending makes a difference in these playoffs. Like, your, your goaltender has to be really hot in order for you to advance on to the next round. But, I mean, our, what, what was the biggest – what was the biggest takeaway for you uh, – throughout the NHL qualifiers and what did you see, uh, which team popped out to you the most? Uh, it's gotta be Arizona Coyotes. Um, they, we were talking, me and JP were talking about this, uh, before a couple of weeks ago, before the, the games had started. And we we're thinking like, you know, what if, you know, Suns get in playoffs, Coyotes get in and we got one out of the two already. So Coyotes have that surprising, um, big upset over, um, uh, over Nashville as a little, as an 11 seed. So, that I think that's exciting. I think that's something that's good for the sport of hockey. Yotes fans are, I know, maybe it's just because we lived in Arizona for a couple of years, but I feel like the, the Coyotes fans are always amped up. Um, so, yeah, I, I like them getting into the playoffs, yeah. 
Yeah, and they're going to be playing the Avalanche. They're going to go in with the high schoolie by far, Darcy Kemper. And my my team coming out of the West was the Colorado Avalanche. So this puts them, I think okay. it, this puts them in danger. Uh, do you see the do you see the Coyotes pulling off the upset in the first round? I'm going to ride with that. I think the the Phoenix Phoenix teams are hot right now, and I don't know where they got it from, what they did, but it's it's working. And so I'm I'm just gonna I'll just I'll just ride that hot. I think I think that with that, all this restart stuff, especially the the bubble restart, um, I think that whatever team's hot, it's almost like March Madness esque uh, for lack of a better term. Where just one team gets hot and they can ride it all the way through. So yeah, how about you? Yeah, I think they have a great shot at that. But I'm gonna stick with my Colorado Avalanche prediction of them winning the West. Uh, Nathan McKinnon's it's it's his it's his time. He's too he's too good, and mm-hmm. he has some of the best hands in hockey. He has basically done it all basically done it all in recent history for this Colorado Avalanche organization. I think they take that next step and get on a little run and make it to the Stanley Cup final against the potential champion, I think, who will be the Tampa Bay Lightning. But mm. yeah, yeah, it's 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 gonna be it's gonna be a fun it's gonna be a fun uh, eight series that we'll have left or fun eight series we'll, that we'll have this round for the for the Stanley Cup playoffs. I'm really excited about it. I definitely think the Coyotes pulling off the upset against the Avalanche is a real possibility, though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, who knows at this at this point? But, yeah, that'd be, that's going to be fun to watch. I think it's something exciting that uh, hockey fans are going to – and playoff hockey fans are going to have a lot of fun watching. Yeah, and there are some pretty disappointing teams from the bubble – uh, as we mentioned, the Edmonton Oilers earlier, uh, Chicago Blackhawks pulling off the upset. But like, let's—I mean, let's let's talk about the Pittsburgh Penguins losing in uh, four games to the Montreal Canadiens. That's definitely one of the worst teams uh, to one of the worst teams to make the Stanley Cup playoffs. They were not going to make it if it were an 82-game season. But that's I mean, I, that raised that has to raise big concerns for the Penguins organization. What do you think will happen eventually since Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin are on the tail ends of their career? Yeah, as far as uh, what do you th- what I think with their, you know, the future of the of the Penguins or, or where do you think they'll be yeah. going? Yeah, where do okay. you think, how do, what, what direction do you think they'll be going with those players, not just those players, but as an organization? Yeah, I think I mean, I feel like you got to give. I'm not sure what the contract situation is with 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 those two with Crosby, um, but I, but I feel like you give them. Do you know how or how many more years they have left on the contract? No, I do not. I'll okay. have to. I'll I'll search that up right now. Yeah, I was just thinking because if if they're on that last year or two of their contract, I think that this upcoming year would, would be would be super important for them and making sure that they could get back to their, their winning ways. And, it, you know, if they can't do it, it could be like the Getzloff and uh, Corey Perry era where it just got, they just got to go separate ways and, and the team moves on and kind of goes through a rebuilding phase. But, um, you know, because you can't win them all, but the, the Penguins have had a hell of a run. Um, but, yeah, that, that was super surprising and definitely disappointing to all the Penguins, Penguin fans out there. 
to, to, to not move on to the, the playoffs this year. Yeah. I mean, Malkin is at least three more seasons, uh, and then he'll be an unrestricted free agent in 2020, okay. uh, or actually two more seasons, in 2022, 2023. Uh, in 2025, 2026, it will be the end of Cindy Crosby's contract. So he still is a while, oh, but yeah. – He's still, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, do you see? I mean, do you see the Penguins going through a rebuild? I mean, this is the. I mean, we saw them lose lose in the hmm. first round last year to the New York Islanders. Yeah, I, I think it's definitely a, a possibility, um, but I just I just feel it's feel like it's hard to get rid of. I mean, Crosby's thirty three years old, so he's he's getting up there. He's he's getting. I think yeah, he's he's getting over to that older side of. Of the league, so, but actually, you never know. Some people, some of the these NHL guys play till they're like forty-five. Um, so I, I, I mean, I think it's hard, just for what Crosby's done for the league and what he's done for the Penguins organization. I feel like uh, it's hard to, you know, necessarily get get rid of him after the twenty twenty-five year, but I could see like a rebuild around him. But I, that actually, it by twenty twenty-five, that's. You know, another four years from now, you'll be getting closer to 40. So, yeah, I think there's going to be some rough times in the next couple of years for the Penguins fans. Yeah, I mean, that's really rough. Uh, one team also, I mean, throughout the 2010s, that was really successful that we saw was the Chicago Blackhawks. They upset, oh, yeah. they upset the Edmonton Oilers. I mean, it it makes me feel like, I, I'm going to compare this to NBA a little bit. I mean, you have a player like Giannis losing in the first round to a team that is pretty washed. That will raise yeah. concerns throughout NBA media. But, yeah. I mean, for the Edmonton Oilers organization and seeing their goaltender struggles throughout their series and uh, also Leon also, uh, Dreisaitl, who was a Hart Trophy finalist, is uh, that's also something that, you know, raises concern. You have a Hart Trophy finalist and a f- former Hart Trophy winner on the same team, and you're not making the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Like, that's a big concern. Are you are you at all concerned about Connor and McDavid's future of success oh, with Lord. the Edmonton Oilers in the upcoming years? Ooh. I feel like it, you know, I feel like the last couple of years he was on a hot train and and you know, I had a lot of praise for him and, and hype around him, but you know, bounce, getting bounced out of the, or I mean, not even getting into the playoffs is, is a tough look for sure, um, especially to an older team. But I think one thing is you, you kind of have to give these teams in this restart across all the leagues. You have to give them a little bit of slack with um, just because it's not normal. There's it's not normal situations, and there's so many other factors that come into play too this year. Uh, and, and, you know, not having fans is, is a huge one, too. So, you know, maybe you put the Oilers in front of their home crowd for, you know, for a, for a seven-game series. Uh, it, things might come out different, too. So it's just tough to, to – it's putting a, lot, putting a lot of pressure on these players to perform well, have that – bring that NBA um, heat without the fans. I think that's a tough thing to do, so. Yeah, I mean, it's tough – for McDavid, but I mean, this was also the same organization that traded Wayne Gretzky in his prime. 
So, I mean, you have to give him a little bit, you have to give him a little bit of slack when it comes to his success with the Edmonton Oilers. Like he'll definitely be up there and with definitely as a top two player in that franchise with Gretzky. Even yeah. even though Mark even though Mark Messier was a great player for that organization as well, you have to give you have to give McDavid credit for overcoming all of that and be, being one of the top scorers in the NHL over the past few seasons. And yeah. he's still only 23. Yes, he does have the same birthday as me. He does have the same. It's the same exact day, same exact year. Yeah. Incredible stuff. Oh, I didn't know that. That's, that's crazy. Yeah, it's January wow. 13th, 1997. Same exact birthday. So, Dang. <laughs> wow. Yeah. What what a comparison that is. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm yeah. I'm 23, living at my parents' house, still looking for a job during Corona <laughs> while he's making seven figures in the NHL, and he's one of the top players in the NHL. Yeah, so no, you what a comparison. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, it's crazy when you can start to get into like college years, like when you start to get into like 19, 20 years old and you see like the uh, the other 20 year olds around the world or in professional sports are making millions of dollars. You're like, holy crap, like what what, yeah. what, what am I doing wrong? What am I? But, you know, it, it, it's still a rare, a rare few of people, bunch of people that are doing that. But still, it's crazy to see like when you're when you look at like someone like Lamar Jackson who's leading a team, uh, an entire NFL team locker room uh, to the playoffs is like, this guy's. I'm older than him. Like, it's kind of, it's crazy to think that. Yeah. Um, Lamar, ja- so. Lamar Jackson this year, fun fact, was younger than the Heisman Trophy winner, Joe Burrow on. Uh, oh, yeah. So that's, that's <laughs> something. The Heisman Trophy winner was older than yeah. the NFL MVP, something we've never seen before. That's, yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. But it's crazy. I, I just can't imagine that the the different like the confidence that you have to have at at that age is just um it's just unreal because like i remember Un- i got unattainable yeah. <laughs> yeah just yeah and especially in the in pro sports because like you have guys that are 35 36 year olds with with four kids and a wife and a mansion and this and that like and then you're like you're fresh a couple of years out of college or whatever and uh and and like when i was uh when i got to cover some of the chargers practices with the with abc7 i had to go up and interview some of the older veteran players like thomas davis was one of them and like i went up to ask him to interview and i was like hey thomas are you able to interview and i felt like i should have been saying like mr davis or something because he you know i think he's 30 some 33 34 up there he's he's up there he's like 30 i think like 37 or something like that not too sure but He's uh, he's yeah, definitely just, up there yeah. in experience uh, as one of the mo- more he was up there last year for the Chargers as one of the more experienced players. Yeah, yeah, and it's just it's crazy to think that like someone like Justin Herbert next year will will have to be leading older older players like that 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 um that but I believe Thomas Davis he got let go from the Chargers right I think I can't remember. Yes. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's still it's just crazy to think that players like that, that young young stars that have to lead lead teams like that, is, is crazy. Yeah, uh, let's go on to uh, a team that used to be in San, or a team that's still in San Diego compared to a team that is not in San Diego anymore. Uh, let's move on to the Padres as they're off to a Padres. hot 
off to a hot nine seven start. Uh, one of the yeah. higher scoring teams in Major League Baseball so far. Uh, we got to talk about the goat, future goat, Fernando Tatis Jr. He has had one of the best, most unbelievable starts to a career I've ever seen. He's averaging better numbers than Mike Trout. I mean, like, it's clear as day that he's going to have one of the better careers in Major League Baseball. But let me compare his stats to Mike Trout's in the first 99 games. I know it's not a lot of sample size because it's not a full season, but we have to we have to let the viewers let the viewers know that or let the listeners know that this is what Tatis is doing compared to Mike Trout early on in his career. So through 99 games, Fernando Tatis Jr. has 29 home runs compared to Trout's 15. Tatis has 69 RBIs to Trout's 52, 125 hits for Tatis compared to Trout's 109, a 318 average compared to 299, and everything else he's in, 318 compared to 299 for Trout, and I mean, those are also better numbers than Mickey Mantle, not that I'm saying anything, but like also better OPS, slugging, uh, on base percentage, just as many extra base hits, uh, and it's it's incredible the, the run that this kid's on. It's insane. Do you think that Fernando Tatis yeah. Jr. is going to be one of the highest paid players in baseball one day? Potentially a four hundred fifty million dollar player in Major League Baseball. Hey, <laughs> that is. It could be more too. I mean, a couple of years. I mean. With the the money get or uh, I forgot what you call it inflation, uh, you know getting getting up like that in a few more years could be more. But no, um, I think what I think needs to happen if it's not already out there, but uh, they Padres need to drop a shirt that says Tatis the Beast on there. Yes. On the shirt, <laughs> like make a shirt. Um, make, you guys, someone's got to make a shirt out there. Try it out when you make the shirts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seriously, but or maybe we could we should just go out and make the shirts. We got a bunch Absolutely. of free time right now. <laughs> uh, but uh, no, he is, yeah he is unreal and saying what he's doing and, and those uh, great awesome stats by the way. Um, uh, so that's good. That's awesome to see. And uh, and yeah, I mean if you're if you're putting up more numbers than Mike Trout, what was that was a hundred game span right? That was through ninety nine through ninety nine. So it was heading into okay. uh, heading into Sunday. So, yeah, through 99 games, if you're putting up like that. But, um, yeah, that that's – I could definitely see him like that as one of the faces, uh, faces of the league for sure. Yeah, I mean, we also got to talk, talk about some teams who have been uh, surprises and disappointments. So, who's your biggest surprise through uh, this early part of the MLB season? We're about a quarter way, a quarter way through the season. Who's your biggest surprise? Um, I would say I think I would definitely put the Padres up there, um, and uh, yeah, I would say I would say Padres having having a great year. Um, how about you? I'm gonna probably say the Marlins. The Marlins have had like nine different starting pitchers or something like that, and they're yeah. in second in the NL East. I think. I mean, even though they've been affected by the coronavirus pandemic, I mean. They're gonna be, they're they're like in the playoff hunt in this early, and that's a good sign for them. I think like they've overcome a lot over the last 
over the last like few weeks with uh, coronavirus hitting their in their opening series against Philadelphia, and then like they they take a week off, and then they went back to playing the Orioles this past week, and ended up sweeping them. I know it's the Orioles, but like I mean they're sweeping the Orioles, so we can't really give them that. We can't really blame them that much about it, but like I think like just overall like this is, I mean they're a hot baseball team right now. We'll see how long this lasts. It's a big, it's a great first impression, but you know yeah. that's something that we have to watch for as well. I'm also gonna say the Cubs, Cubs might be back, and in the, the Colorado Rockies, David Dahl and uh, Charlie Blackman are hitting really well for them. So I think like that alone is going to carry them through the carry them to the playoffs in the expanded 16 team playoff yeah i think i think that one uh the rockies for sure too because uh because i think we earlier before a couple weeks ago we talked about how the Dodgers were just going to take away this run away with that division um and so seeing the rockies up there just with same went 11 and 4 um just a half game ahead of um of the Dodgers right now uh sitting at 11 and 5 um, and so, and then also too, I'd say over in the AL West, um, the A's too, the A's winning that division about 12 and four, taking, already taking a big lead, six game lead, uh, basically with the Rangers at six, six and eight. Um, so yeah, the A's right there. And then I had the, I picked the Angels, um, to win, the, win that division. Um, I think you had the Astros, but you know, the Astros are struggling yeah. out there struggling then. Of course, the Angels are too. I mean, <laughs> they are struggling, and let's talk about that because the Astros have been kind of a dumpster fire in the last two weeks. Uh, first, you had Joe Kelly talking smack to uh, uh, yeah. was yeah, that Altuve they, or Correa? No, it was Correa. It was either yeah, Correa. it might have been Correa. And you had uh, you had Ramon Larinato from the Oakland A's charge after a coach today he was going to first base he was i think the coach was challenging him to a fight and then he had like three coaches like in front of him to oh, like protect him. It, was, it was incredible the it was incredible the brawl that they had like it's authentic it's real like it's a real thing in baseball like people get heated like players get heated yeah. like it's it was unbelievable like this only this would only happen to the houston astros like we haven't seen this out of any other team at all throughout the season so it's it's Uh, real it's (laughs) like it's authentic and it does not help the players case that there's no fans there because of all everything that everything that like is detected through audio like that's it's incredible yeah Yeah, but I guess I mean it does show you that the I guess having no fans in in the stands, um, they kind of answer some questions like of some what if questions like so if there's no fans, will there be will there be benches clearing out and stuff like that or some more smack talk? But you could see it see it play out and even in the NBA too. Um, and I'm sure the NHL like so these guys are still you know without fans they're still he- heated up and ready to throw hands anytime they want to like. Even yeah, some of the PLL games, I saw. Uh, even the PL, some of the PLL games, I've seen some people, you know, throw some checks to the head, and and they and guys are getting pissed off. So yeah, I mean, it's a sports out there. You know, guys are heated. Even now in practice too, like you have all these, you hear about all these different practice fights and stuff like that from years back. But 
But yeah, so yeah, it's, I mean, it's fun to see. How do you think this affects this, the Joe Kelly suspension? He's appealing his suspension right now. That's eight games long. Does this yeah. raise his, like, does this cut down his suspension, keep it the same? And how is this going to affect uh, a bunch of the A's and Houston Astro players that were involved in today's brawl? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I feel like if, if I was a commissioner, I would just I would just try to keep it, try to stay consistent. Like if you give him a, if you give Joe Kelly an eight game suspension, I'd probably just keep try to keep it at that. But yeah, I think especially with the you, you know with the, the MLB having a, a a minor outbreak in in coronavirus, and then so that's kind of that might add to the suspension too because you know you're technically trying to to keep the number of contacts down uh with the coronavirus too so um and just try to you know facilitate those suspensions as, as you can but yeah how about you what do you think yeah you know this is going to be a mess sorting all of this out and i think rob manfred did a terrible job of enforcing anything for any of the astro players firing the yeah, manager yeah. and firing the gm wasn't enough or having the gm resign wasn't enough i think like there needs to be more action taken by the mlb commissioner for the houston astros and not taking their side it seems like he's taking their side and trying to protect the players but i mean it's it's a mess right now the astros are a mess i feel bad for dusty baker he walked into the situation like these guys are being completely it's they're being a disgrace to the game. It's it's terrible. Like I, mm. my inter, I like I like watching teams go at it and entertain like being entertaining and like getting at it. But like it's they're they're ruining the game. It feels like to me. Yeah. So it, it 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 it's not a good look. It's not a good look for Major League Baseball not to not do anything about it. But it's also a really bad look for this to keep going on and Rob Manfred needs to step in and do something about it. Definitely. Mm. So, but we will move on to our last segment, which will be the dagger of the week. Uh, Corey and I will be going through um, what we thought the dagger of the week was from this past week of action. But yeah, let's go. Let's, let's start Corey. Who do you, who do you have for your dagger of the week? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with something a little bit less lesser known. But I think, or, or yeah, lesser known to our fans out there. But probably, I would say the Whip Snakes goal. I forgot midfielder. I I gotta pull up his name. Um, but basically the overtime bouncer, uh, game winning game winning goal from the Whip Snakes. Uh, and they basically did the same thing that they did to the Redwoods a year ago. Where they won in overtime on a last-second goal, uh, or in, in into overtime. So uh, that was a beautiful shot and just brutal for the Redwoods. So just they saw the same thing happen to them last year. They had to go full off-season, full year, play full their full season, and for the same thing to happen to them to lose in overtime uh, off of a nasty top top corner shot uh, shot. So I think that one was was. Was for, was dagger of the week for me for sure. I think that happened on um, Thursday. I want to say last week. 
Yeah. See, I knew you would do that. I knew you would avoid the obvious one. And I'm going to say right now, <laughs> Devin Booker shot over spinning away from Kawhi and shooting it over Paul George for the game with uh, the beater against the Clippers uh, was an absolute, no doubt, dagger of the week. It was unbelievable. It best shot in the bubble by far. And, yeah, you know, it just got to Phoenix Suns are on their way. They're on their way to a potential playoff spot. So watch out. I mean, that was an obvious dagger of the week, and you know it too. I mean, as much as much as I love me some parallel <laughs> action, like you, you avoid that for sure. I definitely could tell. But I mean, <laughs> well, yeah. I, the the funny thing was that uh, I was watching it on my laptop because all the game, all the Los Angeles game, have been blacked out on my on YouTube TV. Um, for some reason, uh, uh, I think because of Spectrum and Fox Sports, uh, whatever that that TV deal. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I was watching. Luckily, you gave me the link to that to the live streaming of the of the illegal or legal live stream thing that you got for me. The NBA Four Live. Thing. It's it's legal for all legal purposes. It's legal. Oh, okay, cool, cool. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So that's been clutch. I've been watching all the Clippers Lakers games on that streaming service. Uh, and I was, I was super tuned in, was watching it. I see the Suns, or the Clippers defending them well. They had the chance for the rebound. It, they miss it, kick, gets kicked out to Devin Booker. I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. And uh, yeah. and so as he just made he made a nice move. Just, he got to, he got Kawhi to bite on his, on his pivot foot. He spun back, fadeaway jumper, swoosh. Like, that That was nasty. I got I got I to gotta give it to him. Yeah, it's definitely easily the dagger of the week. But that does it for this episode of the dagger. We will be back with uh, a podcast releasing next Monday as well. But be sure to follow us on Instagram at the dagger pod. And same thing with Twitter. That's going to be coming out as soon as this episode is released at the dagger pod as well. But thank you guys so much for tuning in and we will see you next time.